This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Welcome to another episode of Rico Bronia. And as you can tell, it's not Evan Roberts. It is Pete Hoffman filling in with him. For him, as uh, he unfortunately had this thing called a hand and mouth foot disease or something like that. I, I don't know. Maybe it's Pete Alonzo. Koksaki is what he has, I think. And uh, he's unable to attend this episode of Rico Bronia. So instead of just me doing a solo, we brought in some scrub off the streets. Paul Rosenberg has decided to show up. Welcome, Paul. Pete, how are you, buddy? I'm great. I'm in Florida. I, I didn't think I'd be. I didn't think I'd be talking to you right now today. No, I, I didn't <laughs> think I'd see you until you know later this week at the station, and I get the honor of seeing your face on a Zoom, which is this is great. Oh yeah, it's it's splendid. I'm very happy. I, I know you're thrilled, and I'm thrilled to see you. Of so course. Let's 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 get into this. So first of all, let's be serious here. Evan has, uh, you know, he definitely is not sick. He's just playing hooky. He'll probably be back on air tomorrow. Um, but he isn't, was just checked out of this Cardinal series, which is probably what the deal is. Isn't what? <laughs> isn't this what Syndergaard had or someone had like years ago with the Mets? Didn't they yes, have hand, foot, was, and mouth? No, it was Syndergaard. Definitely had yeah. that. He had hand, foot. Yeah. I'm not, listen, I think his family has it or like his kids. Listen, not to get too dive. He texted it or tweeted it out. So obviously we can talk about it. Yes. Um, so it, it, it's something that I know happens to kids. I sure my kids have had it before that I just don't know because I'm not very aware of many things in life. But I, it's it's something that happens, and yes, you 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 the kids will will get it and spread it to the adults, and that, that sucks. And so I've heard. No I mean, I would. Yeah. I don't remember having hand, foot, and mouth disease. I'm sure I had it at one point growing up as a child. I just don't remember it at this point. It doesn't sound fun, but re- no. regardless, yes, I'm I'm not busting uh, Evans' balls too much, but yes, he's he's playing hooky right now. He decided to take this one off. Um, but you know, it's funny because it's an interesting series because the Mets go three and uh, three and one in this uh, three. They take three out of four versus St. Louis, and going into the series, like I mean, what what Paul? Let's be serious here. We're talking about a New York Mets team that's not going anywhere. We're just looking to see who can you know, find their way, way, make their their way to the team next year in 2024. And all of a sudden, they win the first three games in the series. They get good pitching from Senga, Quintana, Joey Lucchese looks good. You go into the Sunday game going, if you could sweep this team, you know, we're not that far out. Six games out is not that – or six or five or six games out of a wild card is not that crazy. It's August 20th. Right now we're recording this. It's actually – the Mets are in better shape they're the freaking Yankees to make the playoffs. Let's just say that. They are. And it's it's crazy how – and what this reminds me of is how players – how it's funny how players perform better when typically the season doesn't mean much. And whether it's Alonzo recently, whether it's Jeff McNeil, whether it's Brandon Nimmo who is suddenly just a home run hitter and he doesn't want to do anything else but hit home runs, all these guys are starting to perform after the Mets – essentially sold off, bought themselves a farm system and punted this season, maybe punted even next season. And now all these guys are starting to get better. And you can think about, and and for me, the season was over in June, right? For me, the season was over in June. I was mentally checked out at that point. But you now have all these theories now of what Alonzo is going to do. And that's what it is for me, is looking at the future, which does not include Jonathan Nara or Rafael Ortega. 
Like, I don't need to see those guys. Those guys I don't care about. Yeah, no, and I think everyone would agree about that. And, like, that's why we're sitting here. Like, I'm watching, like, other teams right now. I think Cincinnati just called up um, their their star prospect, Marte, who's in split time at shortstop and third base. He's another guy that they've called up this season who's gonna who's a prospect who's getting the call. I think San Diego or 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 maybe it's not San Diego, but some team just called up a, a catcher from uh double A. And this is what I keep looking at. I'm like the, uh, all the Angels teams- guy brought up their first baseman too. Th- that's what that's what's right. It's, okay. it's the Angels, right. They brought sh- him from from double A. And that's what I keep on looking back at. Now, listen, I understand. Really, the one guy we're talking about here is Mauricio. We really want to see him. And why can't we see him? Why is that such an issue right now that we have to sit here with the Danny Mendix of the world, sit here with the Ortegas, like you said? We've gone through that. We've, we've gone through that. We understand it. But right now, listen, there are people that are still trying to play for their jobs. You should, guy like Pete Alonso still trying to play for – I don't know if he's trying to play for a contract. I think he's just trying to play ball because that's what he's supposed to do. And technically, unless they're done, according to paper, they're going to play until the bitter end. Lindor, Pete Alonso, they know that they're really not going to make the playoffs, but they're not going to stop trying. No, and which is obviously commendable that these guys are going to keep playing and keep you know trying their hardest – put their best foot forward, et cetera, et cetera. But if you have a brain, you know that this team wasn't going anywhere. Like, we knew this two months ago, that this team could not win. It wasn't put together well enough to win. The players sucked the first three months of the season, and that's why the Mets were in this position. All the players that they expected to perform at a high level didn't come anywhere close to performing at a high level. That's why the Mets had to sell off what they did. Yeah, but hold on, hold on a second. Like we, we're sitting there saying like this team sucked and from the get go, and this is why they had to sell off. Yeah, that's why they had to sell off. But realistically, like I'm not trying to sit here and, and, and turn it around. And say look, look. First of all, look at Cody Sanga, right? Mm-hmm. Sanga looks like a legitimate. Not saying ace, but he's, he's a legitimate a two, three pitcher. That's fine. I agree with that. If if Jose Quintana didn't get injured from day one, if Justin Verlander didn't get injured from day one. You're telling me that this team would have been as bad as they were all season long? No. Oh, they need to roll out pitching. Yeah, the hitting was was up and down, but they were mediocre. Mediocre, listen, mediocre was is not the end of the world if you have good pitching. They had terrible starting pitching, and they had no bullpen. Their bullpen, and listen, I'm not going to blame it on Edward Diaz not being around. Every, but everybody kind of shit the bed. You take all those narratives and say, that's why the season went sour. But as soon as they traded Verlander and Scherzer, who sucked for mm-hmm. this team, every every big star possible, and they brought those guys like Jose Quintana and and I mean Lucchese, whatever, a one off here and there, whatever. But but Sang is pitching well. You get those two guys, you're like, okay, first of all, those two guys you could build a rotation around. You have to add more to it. But Carrasco's fighting for a job. I mean, he's basically done. We we realize that. But the McGills, the Petersons of the world, they're fighting for jobs. And you see that this this team has a couple pieces that are going to be here next year and, and that they can rely upon. And if those bigger pieces that they brought in were successful, this team's playoff bound. Right. But they weren't, right? They 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 weren't. Verlander and Scherzer. And the bullpen minus David Robertson, trash. And every and we just know that. There's proof that was in front of our eyes. They were all trash. So they didn't perform up to snuff. They didn't perform well enough, which is awful. You think like when I host random shows on WFA and when I mention when people think I'm a negative fan, and I'm not, I'm just realistic. Do you think I want this? People think I want the Mets to fail. I don't. This is an awful season. Can I curse on this podcast? I don't even know. This is an awful I said shit once, yes. Okay. This is an awful You can say whatever season. you want. This is an awful yeah, season. 101 wins last year, and in 10 months, they broke the team down. In t- this is an awful season. The only thing I'm happy about is that Epler and Steve Cohen were smart enough to realize that they had to get out of a ton of contracts that they had because the team wasn't going anywhere, despite the fact that they were only four or five games out when they first traded Roberts into the Marlins. They made a conscious decision, a smart decision to just kill the season. And I'm okay with that. 
Like I'm okay. I didn't, I don't want this, but I'm okay. I'm happy that they realized it. I'm 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 not. Listen, I'm not disagreeing with that either. Like I'm not disagreeing with the fact that they should shouldn't have traded. Like I'm happy that they stockpiled the uh, the the prospects and whatever the triple A, single A, all that stuff. I'm mm-hmm. I'm happy for that. But to sit here and say that this team, if and I hate the ifs, the ifs are stupid, but. Quintana and Verlander being injured from the get-go for X amount of time and Scherzer sucking ass. That's really the reason why, dude, they're six, seven games out of a playoff spot right now. Yeah, seven and I'm games not saying, yeah, and I'm not sitting here and saying like, oh, there's a really good chance. But you're telling me that if Verlander and Quintana, those two pitchers alone, weren't healthy from the get-go, even without Edwin Diaz, they're more of a playoff-bound team because Quintana's showing that he's got the, uh, he's a legitimate starter. Again, not being an ace. We're not saying he's going to be the ace of the staff, but to be a three, two or three or four no, he's, or whatever. He's, he's Marcus Stroman. He's Marcus Stroman. That's fine. Right. He was no, great. And, right. And, and, right. And, and Tywell Walker of the world and the Chris Bass of the world, mm-hmm. they were good enough. That's all we needed. We didn't ask for anything more than that. We paid Scherzer and Verlander to be what they were supposed to be in aces, and that they didn't deliver. But part of that is because Verlander wasn't here. He wasn't available. He was hurt the first month or two of the season. And then Scherzer, you know, you know the rest of the story. Um, but let's get to the one thing about that popped up. Obviously, Pete Alonso has been still crusher bombs. Not saying that that's the reason why they're winning games, but whatever. It's a factor. But it is a factor. But can you defend now? The, I don't remember the kid that, that hit his first major league hit oh, uh, the other day. Mason Wynn. Can, Right. Can we defend Pete Alonso anymore? Like, listen, I've defended Pete Alonso for so many different moments. I'm a hundred percent got his back. I think he's a legitimate player. I think he's a great first baseman who's been elevating his defense, um, defensive game. His bat no one could contend with as far as power wise, slugging wise. I understand his average is lower this year, but there's a lot to his game. And I know he comes with a little he's a little goofy. He's a little whatever. He's a bit throwing. He is, but can you defend him throwing the baseball into the crowd? No, no, there is no defense for that. I don't know if he did it on purpose. I don't know if it was a brain fart. I don't know what happened there, but, and maybe he doesn't know it's a kid's first hit, but why are you throwing a ball into the crowd? That's my thing. Like, why are you just tossing it 40 rows back? Like, what's the reason behind that? That's the confusing. Well, but, but they but they always do that, Paul. Well, I mean, listen, it, it, it basically a generic like, like, infield hit. They toss the ball into the stands. No, they don't. Yes, because it got chalked up and went, went on the. I don't know if it went on the line, but it, I know it, it no, was. No, like throw to the ball. No, listen, it's weird. I had this conversation with somebody not too long ago. Uh, we had really good seats, and they said that a team brings with them. I forgot how many balls. I think it's 16 dozen or 60 dozen or whatever it is. It's some crazy amount of baseballs that a team brings mm-hmm. with them from both sides. They both have to supply baseballs, and they can give away X amount. And I don't know how they pick and choose when they throw them to the crowd. But on a play like that where you think that they're going to get scuffed the ball anyway, and the ball scuffed and it went down the line, got a little dirty, Throw it to the stands. I understand that. I, 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 these guys do this stuff all the time. They throw balls in the stands all the time. And I know he got killed from it from, from the Cardinals players too. Of course he shouldn't get killed. He sent the guy. I don't even know if he's of age to drink. He sent him a bottle of Don Julio. I, I, he, like, I just don't. And this is when it gets to Pete Alonso. And again, we can talk about how they're seven games back and all these things. The more interesting conversation for me is what they're doing in the future, what they're doing with Pete Alonso. Because Pete Alonso is a guy that you're going to have to pay 30 to $35 million to a year for like seven to 10 years. So he's going to want more than Matt Olson. Like that's just the, he's going to want that. And for me, the interesting thing for the Mets is are they willing to do that for this guy? For this guy who is a little bit of a banana. I don't, he's not injury prone, but clearly he came back way too early this season. I hope that's the only reason why he was the worst hitter in baseball for an eight week stretch. He was the worst hitter in baseball. He was an automatic out. He should have been benched. And he was awful for that stretch. And now maybe he's fully healthy and he's doing better. But the Mets have to make a decision if they're willing to, you know, risk $300 million for 10, for 10 years for this guy who is hitting, you know, 230-ish, 240-ish, who's going to hit a ton of home runs, a ton of RBIs. He's a mainstay in the middle of the lineup. But 
are you willing to pay that guy that much money? And I think that's a really interesting question for me. Well, well, I'm not, I'm not trying to get into money just now and stuff like that. And I never want to begrudge people. If that's what he wants, that's what he wants. I don't think he'll get that. But I mean, if, if you're going to tell me that he's going to ask for $300 million, it's a little different than Aaron Judge asking for $300 million. Of course. And Aaron Judge deserved it. He was a star, he's a star player. He just broke the home run record for the American League. He, you know, plays a position that's different. He played center field. He played all these outfield positions. You know, the first base position, you look at Matt Olson, yeah, you have to you have to be able to be you have to look at that as the um the comparison to what Alonzo's gonna get. Is is Matt Olson and Pete Alonzo different as star star power? I think Pete Alonzo's got a little bit more star power than Matt Olson does. That's sure. for sure. I, I mean, think that but who's the better player? It's Matt Olson. Who's the better player? Uh, yeah, right now, Matt Olson, sure, but, just, but Alonso, and I get he's hitting two twenty four, thirty nine home runs, ninety four RBIs. The power and the runs bat in there will be there, but it's oh, it's getting to the point of he's a home runner and out. That, that that's well, that what, was that, but but that was this year. And you look at listen, and we've had this fight before too. You yeah. don't talk about his batting average or his OPS or whatever it is. If you look at his, his batting average. What is? What's not important? Maybe, maybe bat. Maybe that's not important to major league teams. Batting uh, average, and OPS. You know what? Nothing, but, but it, it, it is. It, it is. And I'm sorry if you can't make contact and you can't get on base with by getting a hit. It's not productive. Like, listen, walk is as good as a hit. But if you walk and you can't get dry people in, then that's not helpful. And that's to me, scoring runs is is the mo of the game. And okay. what Pete Alonso does is he scores runs, and so does Francisco Lindor. They, they drive in runs, and that's that's part of the game. Now Alonso, if his career, he's about two fifty, two sixty. I understand that this year's been terrible as far as batting average goes. He's batting two twenty, two twenty five, whatever. But besides this year and the and the uh, sixty game pandemic season. He's usually around 260, 270. So I, giving him that off year, the fact that he had that eight-week stretch that he was basically came back too early, but he wanted to come back. I put that emphasis on that. He was struggling before he got hurt too. So that's part of it. But but Pete Alonso is, I will say this is an off-season for him. And if an off-season means that he's still getting over 40-plus home runs and over 100-plus RBIs. Might hit 50. God bless. Right, no, he might have fifty home runs, and this is, and again, this is nothing against Pete against Pete Alonso, the player, right? I'm just trying to look at it from the Mets' perspective and from Steve Cohen's perspective, and maybe he's like, you know what? It's either Alonso or like Botani, or Alonso and X or Yamamoto, because Steve Cohen has mentioned how he can't, he's not going to keep just chucking money into the Mets, right? And that's yeah. a factor when you have that big of a player that's going to be a free agent. Which is why, if you listen to Billy Eppler's comments at the trade deadline, clearly Pete Alonso's name was in trade conversations with teams. That's a clear, like, that's clear. He was, I don't know how close he was to getting moved, but his name was brought up. You can, you, you just yeah. know. It. But, but isn't that business though? And like, I, I don't mean to be a dick, like it's part of business. Like, Pete Alonso's my, my favorite player right now on the team. I think mm-hmm. the guy is a stud. I think I, I, I love watching him play baseball. My kid loves Nimmo. But he loves Alonzo. Like those are two guys that he loves watching on the Mets. And he's a Yankee fan, but he knows Pete Alonzo. He loves watching Pete Alonzo. He's a Yankee fan, that, but he loves Pete Alonzo. He does. He, he, he legitimately does. He's got his he's, Pete Alonzo jersey when we go to Mets. Listen, this, uh, I'm also I'm also trying to get into the dark side, my friend. That that being said, though, a lifetime of disappointment. That's what you want to have about. I mean, that's where Steve Gowen steps in and is supposed to change all this stuff. But you're, but but here's the thing, though. You're sitting there saying like Pete Alonso, or or you know the the Mets, the direction they want to take, and um, you're talking about how Epler was specific that he can't really go big on everybody next year. Here's the thing: is if you listen to the comments that Steve Cohen said, he what no one denied. That to, he told everybody from Scherzer to Verlander to Lindor to whomever that this team is going to try to be opportunistic if there's something arises. But right now, it doesn't seem like the plan is going to happen. There's not going to be these opportunities. Well, as soon as Verlander and Scherzer left, those opportunities opened up. And Otani, 
even though I hate to say it because I want him to be so incognito with this. You know Steve Cohen's gonna be on in on him. Of course. And it didn't take Ken it didn't take Ken Rosenthal to, to open no, that up. It's it's but, Steve Cohen, it's Billy Epler, it's Kodai Senga, it's Yamamoto. It's almost like you created but, a super But not just that. Yeah, but it's not just that though. But the the point is is if you hear in and I always say this, if you listen to or go back to every time a big splash happened by the Mets in Steve Cohen's tenure, we didn't know about it until it happened. When Francisco Lindor got traded to the Mets, it just happened. When Max Scherzer signed to the to the Mets, we heard the rumor that it was going to happen, and then within 24 hours, it happened. Like it doesn't just like oh well, Steve Cohen's going to be on on Shohei Otani. You know, shit. Everyone's going to be on in on Shohei Otani. It's gonna. It, he doesn't want anything to be be leaked out. But that also being said, that doesn't say that Pete Alonso is not part of their plan. Pete Alonso might have always been part of their plan. Is it opportunistic to go and sign with Verlander and Scherzer here to go sign a bunch of other offensive players or a bunch of other pitchers? No, it doesn't make sense. But Pete Alonso's here. I think he's part of the plan, and he better be because, again, as far as record-wise, history-wise, and this is the one thing that I really do believe. And, Paul, I know that you maybe you skewed differently on this. Pete Alonso will go down as the best Mets hitter of all time if they keep him around. And maybe that's not saying a lot because the records are so crappy. Right, and it, it, we don't have a low tenured guy, but it's smarter to to me to keep Pete Alonso around for a lot of different reasons. It's it's better for the organization. It'd be a smarter move if they lost Pete Alonso. It'd be it'd be stupid, and you can't just replace forty and a hundred plus. Right, the, RBIs the only way you can you can't right. The only way you can replace that is with an Otani, right? And that's and that's would be the only way that Mets fans probably would be okay with getting with moving Alonzo is if you guarantee them Otani. Obviously most Mets fans, if you're gonna put Otani or Alonzo, they're gonna if you're have a brain, you're gonna say Otani, right? So I think that's what, how Mets fans would kind of like frame it if it was going that way. And again, this is it kind of is a slight against Alonzo about how much he like struggled this season. And again, everyone's allowed to have a bad season. And that's okay because a ton of Mets had bad seasons, whether it's Starling Marte, whether it's Jeff McNeil, whether it's even, you know, now Lindor is getting into this like Beltran level of like disrespect. Who's he? That's my comp is that like he's like this generation's Carlos Beltran. Like he's really, really a good player. And he just like doesn't get the credit because I think he, people think he should be like hitting like 300 because he's making that much money. And it, it it just doesn't like go that way sometimes, um, but I think that's what it like comes down to is that like how are they gonna like frame it if they either move him if they keep Pete Alonso or what else are they gonna do to kind of like alter the team because they can't just like run like this this past season they ran back the same team minus Carlos Correa when that happened and obviously they made the smart move in not signing him I think most people would understand that and agree with that. They ran back the same team. They ran back the same exact team for the for the most part, and something happened that made a hundred and one win team. And by the way, that season meant nothing. But a hundred and one wins went to went to this went to like you know eight games below five hundred, whatever they are, and like seven games back of a wild card spot. This is a prohibitive World Series favorite. Like something happened to this effing team. And I, I'm not saying people are toxic and this, that. I'm not going there, right? But, like, something happened. What the, what the hell happened? I don't want to be talking. Did you think, did you have any clue that you would be talking about this on the Rico Brody in August? Talking about next year and the future? No. No, we did not. Awful. And, again, like it, it, the fundamentals are really the key. I mean, you go up and down. The, the first half of the season was just a little fundamental-based. Like, like, players were just not up to with what they were supposed to be doing. Like, mm-hmm. Fielding's been atrocious, and that's another reason why I'm sitting there going, like, we talk about Angels making call-ups, the Reds making more call-ups. Like, everyone's making call-ups, and the Mets are kind of just, like, pussyfooting their way through Rafael Ortega, Dan- Danny Mendick, and all these other dudes that really have no space on this team whatsoever. And, you, and, and, and are they trying to... I gotta be honest. Like, are they really just trying to, like, win games in this fashion and try to be competitive and try to leg out as long as possible to see how long they can be in a playoff race? 
or are they trying to test people out? I don't know. Like bullpen wise, obviously you see names coming up and down. Those right. guys are being tested. You know, starting pitching when Lucchese gets a call, he's being tested. And Lucchese's uh, been solid anytime he starts, right? I think Joey Lucchese right. has been a solid arm. I know we well, were talking about he, it before we recorded about why they, what are the reasons you send him down and like bring him back up. And I'm sure it's just options and all these like, all this minutia that like I don't know anything about and maybe you don't know anything about, but all this like front office minutia when it comes to baseball about options and this, that, the other thing. But Lucchese has been like a solid like starter for them. Anytime he gets the yeah. ball. Right. And, and the, the, the issue is though, it's that we sit here with Carrasco, right? Who had an okay game, I guess. I think what four innings and gave up three runs. I mean, that's terrible. I mean, he, his, he's winded down. I know Evan really wanted, everyone was hoping he, they, he, they could trade something for him, but nobody's going to trade a goddamn thing for him because he just is not good. He right. just, he's lost it, whether it's the pitch clock, whatever it is, is cause Carrasco is just not good anymore. But to not be able to like, just to, to cut ties and they they DFA everybody else they DFA Darren Ruff they were able to find ways to cut ties with the guys I know Carrasco is a good player a good guy so you don't want you to feel bad not getting rid of him right and it's tough to but find starting pitcher but yeah but at this point in time if you got Joey Lucchese who's available to play you play him and don't option him anymore just go along with it and that's the confusing thing is again what is the what where like you said what is the plan. What, what are we doing? You ask what went wrong? I can tell you what went, what went wrong. Like, again, injuries and just people having bad seasons. Yet, what what are we trying to do to be better? And I don't – I'm not sure the exact direction, but I better trust in this org- this uh, management than I do with pre- previous managements. But, again, until Stearns comes in or somebody else comes in, I still don't fully trust Billy Epler. Right. Well, I mean, well, and that's another thing, real quick. Is Epler's not going anywhere next season? Like Epler's not going to even if Stearns is brought in. Like Stearns is going to be president of baseball operations. Epler's going to be the GM. Epler's not going anywhere specifically because Epler and apparently Otani have this like previous relationship. This, that, the other. They're going to use that to their advantage. And again, everyone can say he's not leaving the West Coast. This, that, the other thing. The Mets are going to do whatever the hell it takes to try to get Otani to, to sign. That's clear. Frankly. Every single team in baseball should get do whatever it takes to sign Shohei Otani. But the Mets have a few, like, they do have some, you know, some one-ups on other teams. They have Epler. They have Kodai Senga. They have the, maybe if you sign Yamamoto. You have all the all these, like, things that they can really provide Shohei Otani. And on top of that, it's not like he's coming, like, Flushing is, and if you've been around Main Street and been around the City Field area, it's a massive Asian population. Like these are all things that could play a factor in getting Shohei Otani to fly to to the Mets, and I'm not saying it's going to happen because it's going to be a ton of money if it does. And Steve Cohen, I don't think would care if he gives Shohei Otani five hundred million dollars or whatever the number would be. But I think that's what we're talking about here. So I have confidence in like this front office. Epler's not going anywhere though, specifically because of the relationship that he and Otani previously had. Well, I mean, listen, let's be serious. We we heard. Steve Cohen talk, and Cohen himself is not going to be firing anybody. Like that, that's a that's a given. But that doesn't mean that Stearns doesn't come in and say uh, Epler's not doing a good enough job. And if Stearns finds somebody else that he wants to bring in, that's what he's going to do. Like I mean, you could sit there and say that Epler's going to be the guy. I can tell you why he's not the guy. And I think most people believe that Epler is not the guy. Yeah, he was able to make some trades, but again, we have no idea what those prospects are going to be. We just, we just, we just, we just know, we just know that in a season where the Mets made a hundred, won a hundred one, had a hundred one wins, and now are are completely out of the playoff spot and had to trade away the two top pitchers on their team, they had to go and trade them away. That was Billy Epler. Billy Epler screwed. The fact that Darren Ruff almost made this roster from the get-go, that was Billy Epler. The fact that Dave, Daniel Vogelbach uh, has been on this team the entire season long, that's Billy Epler. The fact that Francisco Alvarez did not make the opening day roster but had to wait till Omar Narvaez got hurt, mm-hmm. that's Billy Epler. Like, that's, that's, that's a lot of issues there. And David awesome. Stearns can come in yeah. and, and, and sit here and, 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 and see what's going on and say, you know what? I just don't like how you handle things. Also, what Billy Epler did was repair a farm system that was brutalized before he got there. In two months, Gilbert, Clifford, Acuna, Hauk, 
Brandon Sprout, Marco Vargas, Justin Jarvis, Ronald Hernandez, Coleman Crow, Landon Margot, Jeremy Rodriguez, and on, 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 on. And again, all of those guys can turn out to be absolute crap because that's what baseball prospects are. Alvarez was ranked like 20th in the Mets farm line two years ago. Ellie De La Cruz wasn't even ranked in the Reds top 30. So no one knows crap when it comes to prospects, right? Everyone less, but Epler's job is to restock the farm system with the best available players. He did that. Epler did what his job was. All the Mets fans bitched and complained about no farm system and this, that, the other thing. They all bitched and complained about it. He fixed it. He, he, he got the talent back in the farm system. Either they will be good, they can be used in pieces to flip to get better players in. He did a... Epler doesn't get the credit he actually deserves. He, he should get. He deserves way more credit. Well, but it's funny because you're such a hypocrite. And you, you kind of buckled down a little bit and, and, and said that, you know, who knows about the prospects. But you're, right. you always sit there and say, prospects mean, prospects mean nothing. They don't, they don't mean anything right now. So really, it's great to see on paper, but until they perform, that's not really going to benefit us right now. We need actual players on the team. We can't, we, we don't need the Dan, Danny Mendix of the world. We don't need the Ortegas, like we said. We don't need the, um, our, or Ruiz or whatever the hell. We need legitimate players to be up here and play next year. And we don't have those right now. We don't. Uh, I mean, listen, realistically, I mean, not to break down the team already for, for 2024. But, no, but I think that it's smart to- that we do that because this year, despite, you know, our, I think they're, what, six and four in the last ten, five and five last ten, which is a good job for the Mets. Like, this season is over. Like, I think always, and I get people have to do it for content purposes. I understand that, right? But it's okay. Like, the smart thing to do is really look forward. Look ahead. So what's going to happen? Is Diaz going to... Is Edwin Diaz going to come back this year at any point? Just to kind of like test it out a little bit. Just to see how we would pitch. Almost like Aaron Rodgers starting against the Giants. Like, is Edwin Diaz comes back maybe, you know, midway in September. Just to kind of get back in the, get back into like a little bit of a, you know, a feel of coming into a game, this, that, the other thing. To see if he can still kind of ramp up a little bit. I think that's interesting. Whether they're going to do a Francisco Alvarez. Reports are they're going to sit him a lot towards the end of the season. I think that's interesting. Like, I would love to. I would love it's to great. see. I would love no. I would love to see him play, but I also don't want to see the guy get hurt in meaningless games, which is what the Mets have the entire rest well, of the season. Meaningless well, games. Well, it's 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 funny because you say you want to see Edwin Diaz come back. It'd be interesting to see him come back, see how he does. I don't need to see him get hurt in the last two weeks of the season. You know, we, we meaningless games. Why would we see Edwin Diaz back? I know the point is it's different because if he's clear to play and he's good to go. Mm-hmm. For him to get back on the mound is important, but if he's not a hundred percent, and if it's something where it's like you have a risk of getting hurt, and he's rushing back quick, I I don't fully trust it. I I don't need that. I it, we it's funny. Evan and I just had this conversation last podcast, and he thought it would be it makes more sense to, if he can if he's a hundred percent clear, go play, mm-hmm. do it. But to me, it's not worth it. At this point in time, it's a tryout. Like, I call up all the young kids. Call up anybody you possibly can. Call up, make room on the 40-man roster. Cut guys that you never need to see here. Like, dude, think about the guys that we had on the season to start the, start the season. Like, I know they, they, uh, Tommy Hunter's a guy. Another good buck. is He's used to him, likes him a lot. Mm-hmm. Why was he ever on this roster to begin with? The bullpen doesn't have these flamethrowers. They don't have these. They have a bunch of specialty well, guys. It's I think, not beneficial, right? I think what and what you can get on Epler about is never replacing Diaz once the injury happened in the World Baseball Classic. I think that you, that's a fair criticism of Epler. And again, he was up against it there, and that pushes everyone up. They had no bullpen. That's why Tommy Hunter was on the team. Like he was that go between between start the rotation and like a mid man in the bullpen because well, they didn't not have any I, I would. I mean, they they had they could have gone for another free agent, and not for nothing. But Andrew right. Chafin was around. We were all begging for him, and he kind of has been sucking lately. So he right. might not have been that good here either. So you, you never know. And are you're you, right. I mean, the, 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 what's up? Are you? No, I didn't want to cut you off. Are you okay with? Do you think the Mets sitting Alvarez is a smart move? Are you okay with that, or or do you think that's like really an admission of like, you know, we just don't want the guy to get hurt in like meaningless games like we've been talking about. I mean, I think that Alvarez should play every day, and I okay. think that if, with every time 
he obviously have, every day is is you know meaning like every day possible with the out the normal days off of like you know a, a night game and a day game type of thing i get though that you have to give the guy a rest here and there too but you can find him places to play him at dh mm-hmm. like there's no reason why his bash should not be in the lineup there's no that. reason to see daniel vale vocal back anymore in this lineup period and a story and whatever he's gonna last the whole season it's fine he's not gonna return uh well whoever he's friends with it's fine but like it's got to be done. Like those, you can't. The biggest issue, like Tim Lacastro's on the team right now, right? Hit a uh, home run. Great. I'm so happy. Hit a home run. Good, I think good, on Friday night. Good for him. We don't need to see the one dimensional player anymore. Like this has got to be a team where if Brandon Nimmo is going to be your leadoff hitter, he's got to. He, that's fine. The power's fine, but he's got to be, be able to steal bases. But he can't be like, well, what? But no, I, I understand. He doesn't. He doesn't do it. What but happened to Brandon? He should be the guy. Fucking Barry Bonds. He no. thinks he's Barry Bonds. All he does is hit home runs now. It's crazy. Look, look at his stats. He he, he he lost his mind. It's like he got his money and he's like, you know what? I'm just going to try to hit every a home run every time he's at bat now. No, I mean I don't think that's a strategy. I think he's still trying to because again, he was one of those guys that had those like unbelievable at bats where you know 10, 15 pitches. In that bat, he'd be it'd be amazing to lead off the game like that. You know, you're killing the the starting pitcher, and it's it's just you get a good read of what's going on. And yeah, he doesn't have those battles anymore. And yeah, whether it's he's looking for those home runs purposefully, uh, I don't know. But I, it's weird because the approach is completely different between him and McNeil. And maybe it's because of the shift. Maybe the shift is definitely screwed up McNeil. I can tell you that much right now. Offensively, it's definitely hurt McNeil. Maybe Nimmo's trying to put balls to play differently because I'm, he's just he what normally would have been a hit is not I'm, because of the shit. Right. I'm glad we're past the helmet excuse for McNeil. Remember the helmet excuse? How he had a different helmet on, which was affecting his like his line of sight. That I think that was last year when he started to like kind of tail off a little bit. I'm glad no, I didn't remember that one. I'm, I'm, gl- I'm glad that, we're past like yeah, he's wearing a different helmet now because of this, that, and the other thing. Please. That he, sounds like a very bogus nonsense excuse that the Mets would pull up. <laughs> of, of course it is. Back to, back to Alvarez real quick. Alvarez, I think, is the guy that the team like that the team can really build around. And that's easy to say because he's a catcher, this, that, the other thing. But I think like Alvarez in time could be more valuable than Pete Alonso. I, I am so effing high on... I'm higher on Alvarez than on Alonso, like for Met future. Because I just think he, I mean, he has some, he has that it factor that Alonzo doesn't, whether it's the double eye black he has, whether he just like commands, the guy is like 21 or 22 and he's commanding the pitching staff that are like 20, there's like 15, 20 years older than him. And he just has this command of the staff. You can tell the, the team already respects him. I am in so high on Alvarez right now, man. I, this is like, well, I, I tweeted, it's this, it's Mike Piazza vibes for me. It's Piazza vibes. Well, you th- the last time we had a really good power hitting catcher is probably Piazza. I mean, Leduca was nice in like the 06, 07, 08 era or whatever it was. I don't think he was there in 08. But he was nice for a little bit, but he wasn't the same type of guy. We've been looking for a catcher for, for oh. Oh, well over a decade, to yeah, be fair. Enough of Ramon Castro and Rod Barajas. Yeah, I mean, seriously. Uh, the, the Schneiders of the world and Travis forget about Darnell, it. Who's now a- you know, he goes to Atlanta, he leaves the Mets, and now Travis Darno is like a top 10 offensive catcher. I know. Well, that's just typical of people. It's, 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 but it's, it's we, easy. Even though we went through that, and it's not as bad as you think. Uh, but, but again, Alvarez is sexy right now. And, of course, it's why it's like, oh, dude, you see him in big spots make, getting those big hits. That's the thing that's, like, so exciting about Francisco Alvarez is that he's had those big moments. And he always seems to deliver. You can't say that about everybody else. No, I will say that Pete's had his moments in the past. This year, not as much. Right. Francisco Lindor's had some moments. Definitely not as much this year. But there's been no moments. You think about the first half of the season. It's been – you went through June where we had seven freaking wins. I mean, there was no moments in June. You 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 got by. You got a win. You're scratching your teeth. You're scratching your head and be like, what the hell's going on? No, July June was, was off. And, and this – June was awful, and that's been the whole the whole crutch of this team too. Is like even right now we're sitting there going, "What are they six out of the last one, six out of the last ten, or whatever it is, or yeah. whatever?" Um, they just can't get over the hump. Like they 
could have easily swept this. I mean, obviously with Koreshko on the, on the mound today, maybe they couldn't have. But got got blown up. He had that that, that, that gave up four runs and made this game get out of hand. Right. But the, you know the Mets were in it. The Mets could have found a way to sweep the series. And you just be like, oh my goodness, this starts with a real nice winning streak, maybe five in a row. And Going put them into in a different place, which is always crappy. Oh. But it's at the but the point is, it's like they can never get over the hump, and that's been the MO of the season. Well, is that now? How much? And we haven't touched on this guy yet. How much of this is on Buck? Like, how much of this? Because Buck hasn't had a good year. How much of this do you put on the manager of uh, of our beloved team and the future of Buck for you is what? Well, I mean, Buck Showalter basically to me is is a dead man walking this year. He's going to get a pass. Again, it's going to be on Stearns because if Stearns wants to say goodbye to Epler and mm-hmm. Buck, I understand. And that, that, that makes sense because Cohen doesn't want to do it. Cohen doesn't want to be the bad guy. Cohen's going to let this year ride out how it's going to be. But if it was any other any – other GM or or owner, Buck did enough this year to get fired. He really yeah. did. I um, thought, yeah, I thought he, they would fire, maybe even fire him in mid June to kind of like as a last salvo to really tr- maybe try to change something. Clearly, his message wasn't getting through. No, and maybe no message would have gotten through. But I just thought as a last salvo, you fire Buck, you bring in, you know, Eric Chavez or you know whoever you you bring in and just see what happens. Maybe a different voice makes this makes this different, and I think. Probably that wouldn't have mattered, but when you don't fire Buck, when you win five games in four weeks or whatever the, the record was, I mean that just shows that you're just leaving the guy there just to kind of you know like die on the sword. The three guys I would like to see manage the Mets, and one of them is because I think Stearns is I'm not saying it's it's obvious, but Stearns likes likes Craig Council, so mm-hmm. that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, Marta Rosa is someone when someone asked me when I said Bucks you get fired they go well who are you going to bring in they go Marta Rosa and they're like oh that's actually a really good idea I'm like I know you know you saw how we handled the, the, the American League uh, not American League but the uh, USA team and the World Baseball Classic sure. so that's to me someone that I, I think could really handle this roster well and is you know not too old at all he's still young but he's not that young he, but he's still got I think he's got respect to the players um, and the other guy I don't know why I like him so much, and obviously right now he's he's a coach of a team, so he's not you know leaving anytime soon. I don't think, but Gabe Kapler, I think would be an amazing manager for the New York Mets. Someone that a little fiery, someone that I think has the support of the players, would back the players up, would be a fiery enough man to come in and like you know. I'm not saying that he did wonders with Philadelphia, but that was also also his first gig. But what he's done with the Giants, with a team that you know, they're still underperforming, mm-hmm. but they were supposed to be terrible the past two years, and he's done enough to like kind of keep them interesting. No, he's done a good job. I think that's the interesting part. I, I think the name I the name I always go back to. I, I really do wonder if they give Carlos Beltran a shot. I I I, I think that's like an and I don't think that's like an easy like thing, but I do wonder if they end up because Cora got back with the Red Sox. If they're like, you know what, Beltran was the guy we really thought was there. And he left, yes, he's now working in the Met front office. So it's kind of, it would kind of make sense for me if they just give the reins to him, specifically in after this season, because maybe 2024, the Mets aren't going to do, like, not going to have those big, grandiose expectations. And maybe it's a good landing spot for Beltran to start managing the team. So he has a year with a somewhat garbage team-ish expectations low 25 hits when the expectations ramp up again maybe that's when he really starts to kick in and become a manager the only thing i can say is this and we'll leave it at this after uh, leave it on this note carlos beltran you know obviously his tenure here as a as a player was up and down and we said like you know arguably right now it's best free agent signing the mets have ever had but it's up people there. don't like him don't respect him because wasn't able to to give him a ring. Only made the playoffs once. Again, not all his own fault. Mm-hmm. And then had injuries, you know, kind of kill his career or kill his kill him. His career is met. But go, he's too passive, in my opinion, to take over as a Mets manager. 
because you have Buck Showalter, who's basically that that player's coach right now. He's defending. Look, you think about last year, what went well. He went and told Lindor, just be you. Just do what you have to do. I'll take care of everything else. And he's done that. For the past two years, he's basically sugarcoated everything. He's taken all the hits, but it's getting it's getting worn down, and you need someone with a little bit more fire. And it's it's not good to go from one passive manager to another passive manager. It just it shows it's it's over over history. It shows that it's just not the greatest greatest plan. So you need to have someone with a little bit more fire. And I'm not saying that Council is going to be that guy. Uh, that the Rose is going to be that guy, but I don't think Beltran is going to be that guy. That's for sure. Yeah, no, and I think that makes sense because we and you're a Ranger fan. When the Rangers went from Tortorella to Alain Vigneault, totally opposite. You go from the fiery Tortorella to the laid back Vigneault, and you see if that kind of makes sense. So, I, oh, totally get what you're saying in that regard. I just think that I just think it's it's interesting they brought him back into the fold this season, like mid season they brought him back into the fold. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. I wonder why. Like, I wonder, do they move Buck to the front office and like, hey, Carlos, like, this is, you've paid your penance, you've paid your penalty, like, let's get in the dugout and let's prove to me what you were, what we thought you would be, like, two or three years ago. Well, not for nothing, but we talked about, you know, Justin Verlander had that 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 statement after everything came out about the locker room and whatnot, and Verlander came out and said, I was trying to be constructive, you know, supposed to be constructive criticism about, like, the analytical program, mm-hmm. it's just not up to par with the Mets. And maybe you bring in guys who were in other organizations that were really good, that they understood what good analytics were. Carlos Beltran came from the Houston Astros. Verlander came from the Astros. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe that's their strategy. Not saying that they're going to go, like, hey, let's just keep on pulling the guys from the Astros, but pull guys from other organizations of success to see what you could do yes. better here. Because that's not the for case. nothing. I will say this much, and I will defend uh, Cohen and Epler in this, in this area. The Will Ponds were so bad, and Cohen made a point saying they put they were we were so far behind. I'm trying to move. I'm trying to move things up. There's only so much he could do. He's putting the money into the minor leagues. He basically bought all those minor leaguers through trades. He's trying to get the entire organization up to speed, but it's going to take a few more years yeah. to fully get there. Right. Oh no, of course. And again, this is a guy who's legit spent like 50 or $60 million to buy three or four minor league players who, as we spoke about, might not amount to crap. But he's like, you know what? This is what I have to do to try to advance my franchise. Like this is a long-term vision he has, which is a refreshing take. And I just wonder if that long-term vision, obviously it's not going to include Buck as a manager for the next three or four years. Does it include Carlos Beltran? I think that's that's one thing would be like, in the back of my head as we wrap up the last six weeks of the season and we move into next season. Cause I don't know. I I, th- I don't know if Buck's going to be back next season. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I'm, I'm, if I had my money on it, I think that it's going to be on Stearns. It's not going to be, it's not going to be a Cohen thing. It'll happen after they hire Stearns. And if he chooses to move on, then uh, I, I, that, that would be a, I would say that's that's a, a good option that he won't be coming back, especially after this year. Uh, listen, Paul Rosenberg, thank you very much for stopping in. I appreciate this. My pleasure. Uh, joining us on the, and I know you're so desperate to get on, but you know, it, there's a time and place for everything, my friend. I had to wait until Evan got hand, foot, and mouth disease, but I yes. made my <laughs> I made my debut on the recall. There you go. I appreciate it. Listen, we will return with Evan, hopefully, as long as he's healthy. Uh, Wednesday, when I return from Disney, Wednesday night, I should be home, and we should be able to do this. And uh, maybe Rosenberg will join us again. Who knows? How uh, many pineapple Dole Whips did you get? Pineapple Dole Whips. What are those things? The fi- the frozen pineapple yogurt that you get from Disney? It's the frozen pineapple-like yogurt, which I actually have at City Field. It's the best food item they have at City Field. Is the No. Is a pineapple no, I just got dr- I just got drunk. I okay. wasn't. I was thinking about alcoholic beverages. Okay. I got. Let's see. I tried basically every single old fashioned um, possible. You did the Epcot. Thing? This, the beers are the thing at the. Went this, I went to. Well, yeah, I did a bunch of beers. I did we read Epcot today all day today, and I just drank every beer. Uh, first of all, we started with a. Um, what do we start with? A margarita, a double margarita. 
uh, Diablo. And then I just went from like after that, I just started drinking a ton of beer. Uh, and I just couldn't go Mazel back to liquor at that point in time. But Mazel. the other day, the other day we did, we went to Space 220, which is a trip. Uh, and is you gotta like go. No, it's like, it's like basically you travel outer space and you have dinner in outer space. It's basically okay. Star Wars, but not Star Wars. You're just in okay. outer space. And, uh, yeah, it was a trip, man. It was awesome. They, they, they sold it very well. Very, very I'm sure they did. I'm glad you and the family had a good time. Thank you for inviting yes. me on the podcast. I appreciate it. I will hopefully have done good enough, a good enough job that I get invited back when Evan is even healthy. Well, probably not, but uh, I'll, I'll let Evan be the judge of it. Wonderful. But uh, listen, <laughs> uh, again, we'll be back on Wednesday after the Braves series. Again, let's let's see what happens. Three games against the Braves. Imagine they win all three. I mean, that would just be maybe there's something special brewing in uh, in Queens. You don't imagine Paul's. that. Don't imagine that. <laughs> don't imagine that. All right. Uh, listen, again, thank you for listening. You can check Paul out. What's your, what's your uh, handle? What's your social media That'll handle? Be at Paul's Randomness on Twitter. At Paul's Randomness there you go. on Twitter. And you can always follow me at Hoff WFAN and follow Evan Roberts at his uh, social media, Evan Roberts WFAN account. Uh, and I'll be back with Tiki. No, not Tiki. Jeez. It's been a while since I said that. I'm, I'm still on vacation mode. Uh, Brandon and Sal, not this, not Monday, but Thursday I'll be back. But for my regular gig, Monday through Friday with uh, Brandon and Sal. Paul Rosenberg does a lot of floating around, but you'll hear him sooner than later. I am, yeah. And I thank am with you again. Big boys this week. I'm with Ooh. Evan and Tiki. There we go. That's why I do Tiki was somewhere with you. There we go. Yeah, I'm with Evan. Uh, but well, listen. Thank you very much for listening to another episode of Rico Bronia. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronia podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. 